So, full disclosure, I put my Bible somewhere after that baptism, and I cannot find it. But I have this one. So, uh, we're going to be flipping to lots of scripture, too. That is very strange. Spiritual warfare. Okay, I'd like us to pray. I don't want to disrupt the flow of the service uh, being discombobulated by misplacing my Bible. Uh, Would you pray with me? Pray that God would help me navigate a foreign Bible that I'm not used to. And uh, we'll dig into God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you are doing among us. Thank you for all the promises that we receive through Jesus Christ and all the promises that Lucky has received. And Lord, I pray now that through the simple preaching of your word, that you would do that miracle in which you make us your church, that you transform us through the gospel into new creatures. Lord, help me to serve your people well. Please give us eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, there we are. That feels better. It's good to have a good wife. So we are in this sermon series about being the church. And we've learned that being the church requires, first and foremost, receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ and being transformed by Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit and being supernaturally empowered to be the church. We learned last week that being the church involves being devoted to the teaching. And this week we're going to learn that being the church involves being devoted to the fellowship. I'm going to read to you just one verse to begin, and you can remain seated for this. We're going to travel all around in our Bibles today. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We've read this verse several times over the last couple weeks. Listen to it once more. And they, the newly Christian church, just after receiving the Holy Spirit and exploding to thousands of believers, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted, they persisted, they continually gave themselves to the fellowship. You may have heard and you may have felt this within yourself. You may have heard comments from those among our congregation and other churches. I just don't feel connected. Have you ever felt that way or heard people say that they just don't feel connected to their church or at their church. They feel like they're just one among many lost in the shuffle. What they're longing for is fellowship. It's crucial to being the church. Now what I'm hoping and that God will use this sermon to move us from thinking of fellowship in terms of potlucks and social gatherings to thinking of fellowships in terms of gospel-induced, Holy Spirit-empowered partnership in the gospel. That's what this word really means. Uh, In fact, elsewhere in the Bible and other Greek writers around the same time use this Greek word that we translate fellowship as partnership in the business sense. Like if you went into partnership with someone and started a fishing company, this same word, koinonia, is the word that they would have used. Okay, so fellowship really means partnership. It means sharing. 
in the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. That's what we're after. So I have, I've broken this down. Um, there's so much that could be said about fellowship. Man, so much that can be said. I've broken it down into three headings to try to make this easy. To try to make it easy for you to digest and for me to give to you. We're going to look at the requirements for Christian fellowship. A realization about Christian fellowship. And then our response to the requirements and the realization. So first, the requirements for Christian fellowship. Do you want Christian fellowship? Do you, do you feel that you want more connection with your brothers and sisters in Christ? That you want more people to get connected to real partnership? Cup, some? Yes? Yes? Okay. Well, good. Well, here are the requirements, and there, there are two that I'm going to point out. The first one is, in order to experience fellowship with other believers... You have to be in fellowship with God. In order to experience fellowship with other believers, you have to be in fellowship with God. This is the foundation for Christian fellowship. And Christian fellowship is impossible apart from individuals who are in fellowship with God. You can't generate fellowship where there is no fellowship with God. And I have a couple of verses I want to point out to you to make my point. Or to show you where I got the point, rather. Don't want to be a false teacher. 1 Corinthians 1 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The fellowship that we share is the fellowship of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. If we do not have a very real and vital connection to Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord, we do not have any hope for fellowship among us. 2 Peter 1, starting at verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. That word partakers is the same word translated fellowship in Acts chapter 2, koinonia. God has given us all these blessings through Jesus Christ, so that through them we may become partakers, fellowshippers, partners of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. See, when you become a Christian, you get grafted into Jesus Christ himself, and you begin to partake of even his divine nature. You are are enabled to live in a way that you never were able to before. And the requirements of real Christian fellowship are deeper than any human can muster apart from real connection to Jesus Christ and partaking in, fellowshipping in Jesus' nature. It's impossible. Fellowship is just impossible unless you're fellowshipping with God through Jesus Christ. One last passage, which is really fascinating, and I almost wanted to just preach on this passage, but it didn't seem fitting. This is 1 John chapter 1. So here John, the one closest to Jesus, is writing to other Christians. And here's what he's writing about. He's introducing it. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. His point is, I'm telling you about something that I've seen and that I've touched. Jesus Christ, the life. He's real. He's not a mythical unicorn-like creature. He's it's real and I've seen him. And this is what I'm writing to you about. That which we have seen and heard, we, pro- we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. So John is saying, I've got to tell you about Jesus and I'm hoping that you'll see him for who he is and that you'll believe and that you'll trust and follow him. And thereby, through, through that, then we can have fellowship. But we can't have fellowship before that. There's no way to have fellowship until you have been saved, changed, made new through Jesus Christ. It's impossible. Now what I'm talking about here in terms of being in fellowship with God is much more than mere observation of him or association with him. It's much deeper than associating with the church. This is a real relationship. So the first question we need to ask ourselves is, do we have a real relationship with God through Jesus Christ? We cannot move beyond that to try to nourish fellowship amongst ourselves until we've done that. Can you say that this is true of you? What Paul writes in Colossians 2, starting at verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Are you walking in Christ Jesus, the Lord, rooted and built up in him? Are you rooted in and built up in Christ Jesus, the Lord, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving? The first requirement for Christian fellowship among us is that we each be in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. The second requirement is that we each be on mission for the gospel. Okay, so being in fellowship with the Father, with God, is foundational. Being on mission together for the gospel is that we share a common aim. So we're standing on the same foundation and we're looking in the same direction. I'll read to you Philippians 1, 3 through 5. Paul, writing to a church that he really loves and appreciates, says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel. And that word partnership is koinonia, the same word translated fellowship in Acts chapter 2. Paul loves this church. Why? Because their partnership, their fellowship with him in the gospel. They're in it together. They're comrades in the same army, in the same unit. They're members of the same team. They're shooting for the same goal. Now, without these two requirements, we can't have fellowship, and we really shouldn't try to have fellowship. It's just foolish. If we're not standing on the same foundation, and if we're not aiming for the same goal, we can't have fellowship. And I know that you have participated in fellowship events 
that tried to simulate this sort of fellowship, but it just didn't work. Have you ever been involved in something, a small group attempt or a a fellowship social gathering attempt and walked away feeling strangely empty? This was supposed to be fellowship and enriching, yet it seemed strangely empty. Have you ever been invited to one of these fellowship gatherings and it felt more like an obligation than like something that you craved and something you were naturally drawn to that you wanted to devote yourself to? Have you ever found it depleting and kind of awkward? You know, you're, you're forced to sit beside people you don't know and you're supposed to fellowship in the fellowship hall maybe. Have you ever been in those positions and just found it strangely awkward? And what do you talk about? What do you typically talk about? Well, often we'll talk about the things we do have in common. The weather. Did you see this news story? How's work? You work, I work. We can talk about that. See, Christian fellowship is about having the same common ground of a growing vital relationship with God and a desire to move forward in worshiping and serving people and making disciples. So that when you sit down beside someone and it's real fellowship, there's a connection that's deeper than the weather and work. It's like children's sports. You know, Elias played soccer for just one or two seasons when he was little. And little kids don't know how to play and they don't share the same goals that the coach does. Have you ever been to a little kid soccer game? Elias's goal was just to knock people over. You know, and just to have fun and just to enjoy it. And the kids were just all just swarming this way, swarming that way, just doing their thing. They didn't really know why they were out there. It was more for the parents' benefit than the kids. They didn't know any of the necessary skills of dribbling and shooting. I say dribbling. Do you call it dribbling with your feet in soccer? No. What do you call it, Lucky? You do call it dribbling. I saw people making fun of me. See, a lot of our attempts at fellowship are like those children out in the field. We don't know what we're doing, and we don't have any real goal to it. You know, we'll get together, and we'll share a meal, and we'll chat about whatever, and we'll go home, and what was that? I don't know. We ate. There are requirements to have true Christian fellowship. We need to be in fellowship with God and we need to share the same goal of the gospel. Okay, now now let me transition to the realization. There's a realization that I want you to have. And this may be, uh, this, this may drastically alter your perception of who you are and what church is. I hope I'm not overselling it, but I think it might. Here's the realization. If you have these requirements, if you have been transformed by Jesus Christ, made new given new life, new desires, forgiven from sin, now have a relationship with the Father that you you nurture and you cultivate through prayer, through the word, if you have that, and you have that the Great Commission has taken root and you really do want to make disciples of all nations, if you have that, if you are a Christian, you already are in fellowship with every other Christian across the globe. You are in fellowship. Period. It's an objective fact. You are in fellowship. Romans 12, 
starting at verse 4, Paul writes, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. We are. We are members of one body. And what's more, we're not just members of one body, we are members of one another. Believers, we are connected in a very deep and real way that's unalterable. We are in fellowship with one another. Nothing can change that. Even if you haven't talked with your, your brother in Christ for over a decade, you, you, in this sense, remain united with him through belief in Christ. So, you know, if you look around, I won't make you do it because that's always awkward, but if you wanted to, you could. You look around and you see the people around you. You are members of each other. Not you should be. You are. Now, this means when one of us drifts away from Christ, it affects us all. When one of us lives in sin, it affects us all. When one of us is growing and maturing and experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, it affects us all. You know, I don't know many business partnerships where one partner experiences the ups and downs of the business and the other partner is detached from it. We're in a very real, deeply connected partnership, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we realize it or not. Your spiritual life is affecting me and everyone else in this church. It just is. Living in disconnect with each other is contrary to reality. It's like my arm saying to my other arm after I've stubbed my toe. Hey, did you hear about toe? That's a shame. Yeah, I hope he gets it together. And then they go on about their business. Your body doesn't work that way. I know that's ridiculous. You know, I had an aunt that just shattered her wrist in the last couple of weeks. And Meredith had an aunt, Becky, that shattered her ankle in the last couple of weeks. Now, do you think there's any part of their body that didn't feel the effects of that? No, because every part, every member of your body is in fellowship with all the other members of the body. If one part of your body is unsound, your whole body is unsound. And that just is the way it is with Christianity. And not just Doolin's Grove, all Christianity. You know, the church with a capital C. Did you know that? Did you realize that? So in, in our endeavor to experience fellowship, we need to realize we already are in fellowship. You know, Lucky may, may not have realized when he accepted Christ and was baptized into the church, he's grafted in now. He is a part of you. You are a part of him. Now for the response. What do we do about this? I'm going to take you through some practical responses and then I'm going to give you a big closing, not really a warning, but just a big reminder that is very important. I want you to leave with the reminder fresh. But if you're wanting to grow in these connections with your brothers and sisters, here's some practical things you can do. Okay. The early church devoted themselves to the fellowship. The things I'm going to list are things that we need to be devoted to. We need to give ourselves continually to these things. We need to persist in these things. And there's a billion directions I could go with this part of the sermon. You know, there's 
one direction I thought about going, and I'm going to briefly go that direction, is listing out all the one another's in Scripture. You know, the Bible tells us a lot of the ways where we are to relate to each other in horizontal relationships. We are to comfort one another. We are to forgive one another. We are to build one another up. We are to serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage one another. Welcome one another. Care for one another. Minister to one another. Show hospitality to one another. Pray for one another. Teach one another. Confess our sins to one another. Admonish one another. Consider one another. Submit to one another. Grow close to one another. Edify one another. That is a sketch of fellowship right there. But that's too much for me to preach in this sermon. So I'm going to look back in our main passage, Acts chapter 2. You know, really, this whole sermon series through the fall, from here on out, can be looked at as an addendum to this sermon. This is what fellowship looks like, everything we're going to look at from here, from here on out. You see how the early church operated. Look in Acts 2, beginning at verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So just taking this snapshot of the early church, if you want to devote yourself to the fellowship, and I hope you do, and I do, here's some things you can do. Okay, number one, be together. Spend time together. And this is, some of these are very convicting to me. I'm very guarded about my time. I usually have a to-do list of several things like many of you do. And I'm usually more about the to-do list than I am about the people around me. And that's something that I need to repent of. And it may be something that you need to repent of. So one thing that we can do to devote ourselves to the fellowship is to give each other our time to be together. Second one. First one was share your time. Second one, share your stuff. Be aggressively generous with one another. Did you see how they were? All who believed were together and they had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, the proceeds to all who had need. You know, it makes a big difference if you see a stranger on the side of the road with a cardboard sign saying, I'm homeless, I need a hand. And if when you get close to him, you see the face and you realize it's your brother. That makes a difference, doesn't it? No? Well, I think it would. One thing we can do to devote ourselves to fellowship is to be open-handed with our stuff. Anybody who has needs and you have the resources to fulfill it, part of fellowship is fulfilling it. Being aggressively generous. Now, this third one is very connected to the first one. It says they were together in different ways daily, day to day. 
Yeah, I think we want fellowship so long as we can control it and contain it. And so long as it can fit into neat snatches of time. Meanwhile, we're juggling the rest of our lives. So we're juggling work, family, uh, pets, leisure, TV schedule, doctor's trips, and church fellowship. And it's one of the things that we're juggling. When really, the way the Bible portrays it, being in church fellowship is who we are. And it's from that identity as one member of each other that we juggle these things. And so really daily, we should be a part of each other's lives if we're seriously going to pursue fellowship. So here they list church gatherings, and we have lots of church gatherings. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here at a church gathering, and there's many that are not. So help me brainstorm. What are all the different opportunities that we already have in our rhythm, in our structure, that we can get together and spend time together? And you can actually say them out loud. Okay, house to house is one. Sunday school. Hmm? Prayer meeting before the service. Big gathering, the end of every month. Although, quick announcement, uh, this month is the last one of the year because of all the holiday stuff coming up. But that's a regular rhythm. What else? Book club. Ladies book club. Choir. Anything else? Men's Fellowship, Young at Heart, Youth Group for those. We have lots of avenues to spend time together already built in. Yeah, I think we can take advantage of these. And I think we can enter into them based on our foundation as believers in Christ with a real aim. Use these things to fellowship, to build one another up, to sit down beside someone and say, How are you doing really? To sit down beside someone and say, listen to what the Lord has taught me. Listen to this verse I read this week and how it's affected me. Have you ever seen this? That's fellowship. We have opportunities. Let's make, let's take advantage of them. You also see in here that they shared regular meals together. Meals are a fantastic tool for fellowship. If we want to devote ourselves to fellowship, meals may be a way. There's 21 meals in a week. Or if you eat first, second, and third lunches like I do, there's 35 meals in a week. Use a couple of those to be with people. You know, not every fellowship endeavor needs to be a from-the-top-down church-organized program. It could be, you know, I haven't talked to such-and-such in a while. I'll invite them over for barbecue at the house. Or it may be... You know, our family's going out to lunch after church. I'm going to invite these folks. Maybe they want to come and we can catch up and see how they're doing, how their walk's going. It may be more planned. It may be setting aside a day of the week or a day of the month. It's always going to be dinner at our house. We'll always invite someone else over. It may be that you need to use your directory and see who is it that maybe the Lord's leading me to pursue in real fellowship. You know, we take some initiative, maybe using meals as an opportunity. And that gets us to another thing they mention. Says they broke bread together in their homes. Our homes are a tremendous tool for real fellowship. You know, fellowship doesn't have to happen in the fellowship hall of the church. Now, this is hard for me because I'm very guarded about my home, probably more than I am my time. 
I don't want a lot of people coming over to my house. <laughs> I, don't, I'm, I am an introverted person. And I don't, it's like, that's my zone. And sometimes, honestly, I almost just want to draw the blinds and just sit in a dark room. But it may be that I need to repent here. You know, their homes seem to have been very open, open for company to drop by. I wonder how many of you are like me. If somebody drops by unexpectedly, it rubs you the wrong way. I'm like that. I need to, I need to loosen up about it, I think, because I think that is a sign that I'm not really devoted to fellowship. Because fellowship is, is inconvenient. Fellowship isn't about our convenience. It's about being devoted to one another as members of ourselves. And in our social lives, we love control. And that's why internet social media has become so popular because we can control that. We can decide when we're going to respond. We can decide how we're going to respond. We can edit our responses. You can think through your email, your text, your Facebook carefully before you put it out there, but people dropping by unexpectedly, conversations popping up unexpectedly, that's inconvenient, uncomfortable stuff. But that's what fellowship feels like. And I'm not preaching at you as one who has mastered devotion to fellowship because this is an area that I'm honestly very weak at, especially to be a pastor. I should be better at this. And I'm telling you, this is one of these confess your sins one to another it may seem light and not like a serious sin, but it is a serious sin because it's an outgrowth of my selfishness. I want my life, my time, my stuff to be the way I want it, and I don't want people to interfere. I can't fellowship like that. And then lastly, I'll mention from this passage, they praised together. It may be that a simple step that we can take toward devoting ourselves to fellowship is just to be more vocal about the really good things that we see in God and that he's teaching us. That might be a simple first step. There's a billion ways, but it it must come from the foundation of a vital growing relationship with God and the aim of advancing the gospel and making disciples serving one another. You cannot simulate fellowship. You can't simulate it. It's impossible. Number, you know, the the requirements and the realization I shared lead to the response. And never does that happen in reverse. You know, trying to spend lots of time together is not going to lead to faith in Christ. It works the other way around. So don't skip over those things and just try to get into the fellowship part. That's a mistake. It leads to a fellowship that's paper thin and that crumbles at the first sign of trouble. But when you do see real fellowship, and we have experienced real fellowship, we have real fellowship among us. When you do experience that, you know, when you connect on that level, it could be as simple as, you know, after a board meeting on the way out to the cars, you know, sharing real burdens with each other, really praying for each other, sharing something the Lord did today, opening the door to share the gospel. Those moments of real fellowship that are so beautiful, those are the tips of the iceberg. And beneath the surface of all that are individuals who truly love the Lord and are following him. So, so don't just try to create a fake iceberg tip. Okay, get your foundation and then devote yourself to one another in fellowship. And I will too. 
And I'm assuming you have sin that you need to repent of in order to move forward on this, just like I do. So we'll pray for one another now before we sing our closing song. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for everything you've done for us in Jesus Christ. May we receive it. Help us to live in fellowship with you. Help us to see each other as we are, as members of one another. And help us to devote ourselves to fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.